This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Uh, my voice not is so about good. to leave me. It's about okay. to leave me forever. <laughs> no, I, I have a cold and a bit of a fever, but uh, I figured whatever is left of my voice today, we should get a we should get a show in, and we want to talk about something fun, which is watching TV. Uh, yeah. It's not exactly productivity, I would say. I mean, unless you run a TV blog or have a TV True. podcast that, that qualifies as work. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to talk about all the various options that we have on our iPhones and iPads when it comes to watching TV internationally or at home, on mm-hmm. the go, on Wi-Fi, 4G, pre-recorded TV, live TV, all the options, all the great options that we have. It turns out that iPads are actually for content consumption after all. The the all the the, the entire premise of this podcast was wrong all along. <laughs> we should have done we should have done a show about watching TV <laughs> on the iPad. Sixty episodes of uh, content consumption. Well, it does seem to me sometimes, Federico, that every other podcast in the world is about how Americans watch television. So maybe we can join in on this one. <laughs> So, exactly. shall we just dive into it, Federico? I think the the first thing to say, I think, is that is that most watching television tends to be kind of a regional affair. I mean, there are some semi worldwide ver- things like Netflix, which we can talk about, and some technologies like Plex that we'll talk about as well. But in large part, a lot of these uh, the ways that people will watch TV are regional. You know, so I was just there mocking Americans watching TV and how that seems to be such a critical issue for so many podcasts. But um, of course, in, in Britain, we have things like the BBC iPlayer, which is a, a service that has kind of built and built and built over the years to the point where I think a lot of people in the UK, that might be the main way that they consume BBC content is through BBC iPlayer. Uh, and this is, this is the BBC's live and on-demand internet streaming service. And it's, it's gotten really good over the years, to be honest with you. It used to be something that was just flash-based in a browser on your computer. But now they have Apple TV apps and, and iOS apps and I think an Android app as well, though I'm not sure. But certainly on, it's on a lot of platforms. And, uh, you know, by some measurements, uh, the BBC iPlayer traffic takes up a huge proportion of the UK's internet capacity uh, most evenings. And, and it's, par- it's partly responsible for the notion that uh, peak time on the internet is no longer business hours. It's now the evening when people are hitting Netflix and hitting things like BBC iPlayer, there was a there was a move a little while ago for ISPs to to sort of demand that the BBC mm-hmm. pay them money just for the existence of Netflix because it was taking up so much of their bandwidth. So it is clearly a popular service in the UK um, and it has, it has a lot of re- usable features. Uh, one of the downsides to it, I suppose, is because it is governed by this archaic law that we have in the UK about TV licensing. Do you, have, do you guys have TV licensing in Italy? Um, this is where you have to you have to like pay a license for the TV set that you have, I, rather than yeah, yeah yeah we do we do we have um, there's a like an individual type of license okay. like if you have a TV in your household you need to pay like a like a t- personal license and also if you have a business and I know because um, uh, I'm I'm registered as a business so, uh, there's a different type of license which is more expensive. Um, that you also need to pay if you have a if you have a business. So yeah, we do, and it's actually you know what the government did a couple of years ago because nobody was paying the TV license anymore. Doesn't um, sound like Italy at all. <laughs> they they rolled the cost of the TV license into okay. the energy bill. 
Oh. To make sure that you would pay the license on mm. an annual basis. Yeah, I, I've heard governments doing that in some countries where people typically don't pay for their car insurance. That they they roll the yeah, cost of car much. insurance yeah. into petrol. You know, it's kind of a similar idea. Um, yeah. But in the UK, what they do is they threaten you <laughs> until you pay it, basically, um, and they send yeah. you f- they send you terrifying letters and they put up oh, terrifying no. posters that say we're watching you and things like that. Um, so you know, most people I think pay, and it's not very expensive either. But uh, the the iPlayer service has been in this kind of great area with respect to the TV licensing for a while. Uh, it's gotten clearer now, but in the early days it was there were weird rules like um, if you if you were watching live TV that was synchronous with the broadcast, then you had to have a TV license to use that. But if you were watching on-demand TV, then you didn't have to have a license and things like that. So they're all kind of weird old-fashioned corner cases because the TV license has been around since as long as the BBC has in the UK. But even today, there's this weird thing. I was in Starbucks recently, and I connected to their Wi-Fi, and and on the on the login page for the Wi-Fi, it said something to the effect of, um, "If you're using BBC streaming services, you're not allowed to plug in your device in our store." Hmm. And this is because the law okay. states that if you're watching it like on 4G, on battery power then your home TV license is, is the license that applies. But if you plug it in, it becomes equipment installed in that other site. Now, of course, Starbucks don't have TV licenses because they don't have TVs in their stores. Um, but if you were to plug in, a, a, say, an iPhone into their store and then start watching a BBC service, that would make it equipment that was being used in that store and therefore legally Starbucks would be... <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, this is the kind of weird corner cases it's that you get kinda, TV licensing. It's kind of like playing music in a in a store, in a shop. You need yeah, to... Yeah. I think you need to pay like digital rights uh, because mm-hmm. of the music that you're playing in a public space. That's yeah. kind of... It's kind of like it's kind of like that, and and there's all kinds of weird corner cases. And the iPlayer tends to, they're, they're sort of slowly moving it towards the idea where you have to log into it. So you have a BBC account and you have to sign in. And if, I think eventually you can see a world where uh, your account will be connected to a TV license. And if your if your account doesn't have a TV license, you can't. You know, it's going to become a sign in service like everything else eventually. But um, there's all kinds of political issues around about that as well in the, in the UK. Mm. Um, but from a technical point of view, it's, it's a really cool app and it does all kinds of great stuff. Like you can download stuff to your device on the oh, iPlayer nice. app. Um, you can also, you can watch live channels on the app, but you can also do things like pause and, and uh, pause and play the, the live TV. But you can also uh, restart, which is great if you miss the start of like a football match or something. You can restart the show and it will jump back in time to the beginning of that program. And then you can watch it from there on. So you, all you have to do is start watching it sometime during the duration of that program. And then you can jump back to the start and you can restart that part of the stream as well. So uh, all in all, the iPlayer has gotten to be a really, uh, really nice app over the years. That sounds really nice. Um, I'm pretty sure that we don't have anything as fancy here in Italy. We do have um, apps that we can download uh, from the App Store for the national broadcast type of television. So there's like, uh, we have two big networks here in Italy. One is the the state network that we pay the license for. Okay. And then there's the privately owned uh, Mediaset network, which is the, you know, the Berlusconi one, basically. Okay. Um, and you can download apps to watch live TV for those channels from the App Store. Um, and I think the Media Set one, uh, it also lets you interact in terms of like you can vote, you know, for talent show type of programs oh, okay. and that type of stuff. Yeah. You can participate and leave comments. But 
overall, they are pretty basic apps, far, far away from what you just described for iPlayer. I'm pretty sure there's no there's no re, uh, record feature. They are the types of apps that are, um, you know, they are um, obviously cross-platform. <laughs> they don't really take advantage <laughs> of any... Clearly cross-platform. <laughs> yes, like yeah. you can tell that it's like the, the, the minimum amount of work that could be put into making a mobile app. Mm. Um, it doesn't respect any iOS UI conventions. Uh, it's a custom video player. Uh, it doesn't take advantage of multitasking or picture-in-picture picture on the app. It's, it's really awful. Yeah. And I recently tried both apps for both networks. And yeah, it's, um, you know, it, you can tune in, you can watch live TV with like a five second delay compared to what you get through an antenna. But otherwise, it's really, it's really not a, not, a, not like iPlayer or any other modern TV experience. Yeah. One exception could be, and I used to be a subscriber, now I'm not anymore, the SkyGo app uh, for the sky satellite tv Mm -hmm. Uh, that one used to be kind of decent but uh, my last experience with the app uh, was from two years ago at least Mm -hmm. so uh, now it could be terrible or it could be slightly better Uh, so it's the schrodinger's uh, sky app we don't know yet uh, unless uh, some (laughs) italian sky user wants to tell me (laughs) there's a thing that is advertised in the uk and i I don't have it so i'm not sure but it's called the sky q box i think it is and it's kind Mm. of like a a set-top dvr box that you get with your cable subscription but they advertise it as as being able to do handoff between ios apps and the dvr cool so if you're watching tv the idea is that you're supposed to be able to kind of almost instantaneously resume the stream on a, on a mobile device and then stream it back when if you come back home while you're watching something kind of thing. So uh, I think they charge a serious money for that service. You know, it's, not, it's clearly not a, a simple or basic box that you get. Um, but that service is being heavily advertised at the moment. It's quite an interesting idea as well. Yeah, that's, that's um, very nice. We we had Sky Go for a while, but what they're pushing now in the UK is a thing called Now TV, N-O-W TV, which is a... Uh, it's basically pay-as-you-go access to different kinds of Sky content. Um, they also mm. sell a set-top box to go along with this as well, but it's it's contract-free basically. So you pay like a monthly. You pay it for pay for it like Netflix, but you can buy seven-day passes and one twenty-four-hour passes as well. And um, one of the one of the ways I use this sometimes because we don't have um, they have Sky Sports and Sky Entertainment. Sky Entertainment is kind of like your Westworld and all your kind of premium American. Um, TV series and stuff like that. And they also have Sky Cinema. But you, you can buy passes for them all separately. Uh, but what I use it sometimes for is if, if there's a rugby match on Sky Sports, for example, sometimes the Glasgow team that we follow get put on Sky Sports and, and you can buy like a 24-hour pass and it's like £7 or something and we get to watch that game. So it's uh, oh, nice. uh, okay. cheaper than going to the game itself. But yeah. Um, yeah. it's quite good because you know have they have a quite a good Apple TV app as well um, and they have an, an iPhone app, but they fall into the same hole as Amazon on Apple in Apple's rules, which is you can't actually buy a pass in the app, you've got to buy it on the website and then activate it in the app so that they don't have to pay Apple the 30%. And more than one time I've been sort of sitting there going, I can't figure out how to buy a pass in this stupid app. What is wrong with this app? Like, oh yeah, that's Apple's rules again. So uh, that's something just to bear in mind if you're if you're interested in now TV. But it's kind of basic as well. But, you know, you're, what you're getting there is the 
the sort of premium sports or whatever it is that you're looking for there. So uh, it's, a, it's a good option for the occasional thing. But it, it, the prices can add up fast. The sports, is, uh, the sports is like Sky's number one unique selling point for getting mm-hmm. their service because they have the rights to all of the big sporting events. Uh, Sky Entertainment and Sky Cinema are much cheaper to get, um, but the Sky Sports is pretty expensive. It's like uh, £30 a month or something if you were to oh, buy it. Okay. Um, you know, it's quite, quite fancy. Uh, but if you are, uh, can I just throw in a, a, a trailer, if you like, for this a service called Rugby Pass, which is, if you are into rugby as I am, uh, it, this is a kind of weird corner case, but th- there is a rugby streaming service called Rugby Pass that only exists in India and Southeast Asia. Uh, but it is, it's basically like um, the MLB at bat application or something like that. A little more basic than that, but it just shows all the rugby from all the channels in all of the northern and southern hemisphere. So if you want to watch professional mm. rugby being played basically anywhere in the world, you can get it all through the service. That uh, You can get it in all the app stores, but you have to, um, uh, let's say you have to appear to be in Southeast Asia in order to get access to it. But uh, it does actually work pretty well if you if you want to be a rugby fan and watch it on iOS. Nice, very nice. Federico, let me tell you about one of our sponsors for this show, and maybe you okay. can tell us a little bit about how you use it as well, because this episode of Cannabis is brought to you by Sanebox, because every person listening to the show has definitely got something they don't like about email, and that's why you need to try Sanebox. While it would be lovely, it's just not practical to delete all your email. There's definitely important stuff in there that you've got to deal with, but one of the problems is that all email looks the same, and at a glance it can be difficult to try and figure out which messages need your attention. So wouldn't it be nice if your email could be pre-sorted before it even hits your inbox? And that is what Sanebox is all about. Sanebox sorts through your email and moves all the trivial stuff into different folders so that only the messages that appear in your inbox are the ones that you need. And the great thing is it works seamlessly with your current system and with any app. For example, one of the best features of Sanebox is called the black hole. And all you need to do with that is you just move an unwanted email into that folder and Sanebox organizes it so you never hear from that sender again. With Sanebox, you can also set up email reminders, snooze your email, and so much more. Federico, you're our resident Sanebox expert. Is it, are you still sane? I am, and I'm, um, I've been using Sanebox for, I mean, I must be approaching two years at this point. And I'm not moving to any other system <laughs> because it just works so well. Um, just the other day, I was uh, once again moving for a series of tests from Apple Mail to the new version of uh, Spark by Riddle. Okay. And the fact that Sanebox was already running, um, you know, with my Sane Later folder, with my Sane News, where all the newsletter type of stuff go. And even my custom um, Sane Betas folder, where I aggregate all kinds of emails from Test Flight. Mm. The fact that it was already running, it was amazing because it meant that I could switch, you know, between email clients without the overhead of having to do the setup all over again. Because you know, all these modern email clients they use proprietary systems to do stuff like a focused inbox or custom rules to archive messages into other mailboxes uh, because um, but because Sanebox it works in the cloud it runs on a, on a service that works with any email app that you want to use it means that you save so much time if you're anything like me and you want to move between different email clients on a weekly basis even though you shouldn't because it's bad for you but if you have to like me that's my excuse uh same box uh, uh highly recommended because it's gonna save you so much time and it'll it will prevent you from going insane so the if that's not a good enough endorsement i, I don't know uh, what it is well named it's well named mm-hmm. sane box <laughs> sane exactly 
<laughs> so to help you get a little more organization in your inbox, we've worked with SaneBox to get you a great deal. Just go to sanebox.com canvas today and you'll get a two week free trial and an extra $20 credit just because you listen to this show. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's nothing to lose. Check it out today and get your email finally under control. Again, that's sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash canvas. We thank Sanebox for their support of this show and all of Really FM. So, Federico, can we talk about our favourite thing in the whole world? I uh, assume that has to be for you. I, wa- I wanted to say iOS 11 multitasking for you, <laughs> but <laughs> mm. I guess that's Plex. You want to talk about Plex? Yeah, mm. we definitely want to talk about Plex because uh, although Plex is kind of mostly known as a service that lets you uh, build your own library and, and stream that stuff, and of course, you know, that's part of watching TV is watching things you own and have paid for and, and yeah. want to stream from your own device. Um, Plex also now works with TV tuners as well. So yeah. uh, that's uh, a whole other thing that you can do with Plex. I haven't done that myself. It's, it's not no, super okay. easy to do in Scotland, but... Um, I've certainly got a Plex server set up and we've done, I've done some cool things with it, including just one quick story that I did recently. I was in South Africa uh, doing a, a conference there and I, I was we were at a rugby match with a friend and we were talking about Plex as the game was going on. I said, well, do, let's just try this. And he started up his hotspot and I joined my phone to his hotspot and then I started streaming Plex from from my server in Scotland through his phone to my phone in South Africa. And then I was able to cast the stream back to his phone. This is one of the cool tricks. I don't know if people know about this in Plex, but if you, if, you've got, if you have two Plex apps on the same network, um, you can use you can basically use the other Plex app like an Apple TV. So you can, you can stream from one Plex device to another across the network. Uh, this is quite useful, for example, if you have a small capacity iPad, but a very high capacity phone, you can cache a bunch of Plex content on your phone, yeah, but you can yeah. cast it to your iPad to, and use the big screen to watch it. It's, it's, Plex is insane. You can do so much yeah. stuff about Plex, but also live TV and DVR is, is, yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, and I actually played with that a little. So let me tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this feature called, uh, I think it's called Plex Live TV and DVR. Pretty, pretty obvious name. Um, the way that it works you have to get a TV tuner, like a physical device that uh, plugs into the antenna that you have at home if you have like terrestrial TV, for example. So the way that it works is you got to buy a, a physical TV tuner. It's a little device that plugs into the antenna if you get, for example, terrestrial TV, like in Italy. Um, and a while back, I think about three to four months ago, I bought one from this company that people told me on, on Twitter how to pronounce the name and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Hopage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm never going to get it right. Um, and the way that it works is you you plug it into you plug it into your your antenna. Then you go on a web page on your Plex server and it detects um, that you have plugged in uh, this device um, and it offers to scan the to scan for channels. So li- okay. like a TV, for example, you would scan for channels that you get. Does it plug in uh, with USB like in, into your Plex server? Is that how it works? So the way that I did it was I got this uh, USB tuner okay. that it plugged into my NVIDIA Shield. Right. Back when I used to have an NVIDIA Shield to run my Plex server. Um, and on the other, it's like a USB stick. So on one hand, it plugs into the NVIDIA Shield. On the other, it's got like an antenna 
plug and you run an antenna cable from the wall into this USB stick. Then I went into the Plex uh, server configuration. It detected via USB the TV tuner and it did the scan for me and it found a bunch of TV channels, both um, SD and uh, HD channels. The only problem... Um, so there's a there's a, a page on the Plex website where you can see all the list of supported TV tuners. The only problem is that some of these devices, um, they, and this is gonna sound awful, but they come with drivers that you need to install on Windows mm -hmm. only. Okay. Uh, they cannot they because you need to to update the firmware. So of course Plex right. cannot update the the software of these devices. You can only use them as a bridge to get the, to get the TV feed, essentially. Um, so you will need to have an extra step in the, you know, in the middle of this process. Um, if you get a, one of the HD home runs tuners, they also support Mac. So you can, you can do all the management from a web page in Safari, which is okay. very, very nice. Mm. Um, but if you get one of these uh, cheaper... TV tuners that I got, you will have to use Windows. So of course I didn't. I didn't want to use Windows. I did not uh, update the firmware, which meant that I only get. I only got like a subset of channels. But the once it was set up, so. Um, Plex does the scanning for you. It offers to rename channels for you. If it finds duplicates or like HD versions, it asks you which ones you you prefer. It's all really well done in Plex. And then you get this new area in the Plex um, website, in the Plex web app, where you can just go in and click on a thumbnail. There's a built-in guide, so you can scroll through. You can see what's on. You can see what's coming up. And you can either tune in live and watch live television from Plex, or you can program a DVR recording for later. Uh, you can say, I want to record, you know, for example, this movie that is on at 10 p.m. Uh, you can set the quality. You can set all kinds of preferences. It's really well done. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, if you don't like the Plex UI for some reason, this is not going to make change your mind because it looks like Plex. It's natively integrated with Plex, okay. just like any other channel, just like any other source. It looks like TV inside of Plex. So whether you like it or not, I guess it depends on whether you are a fan of Plex like Fraser or not. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, you know, except for the cheap TV tuner that I got, mm -hmm. that was a really bad decision. Um, I really liked the experience. Yeah, so I, I guess what you're saying is you have to be careful depending on what kind of Plex server you're running oh, yeah. that, that the, the antenna adapter that you get works with the operating system you're running. Because, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. My my Plex server runs on a, an HP Gen three Linux server, so it's, it's, the Gen three is like a little micro server. It's kind of like if you if you imagine a a, a G four cube power Mac, it's kind of like that. It doesn't look like that, but it's about that kind of size. Um, but it runs Linux, so um, I would need to look for something that had a Linux driver, for example. So yeah. it might not work for everybody, but um, in certain circumstances for Plex, you can you can do that as well. Yeah, and it also depends on whether the TV tuner you get supports. Um, built-in hardware transcoding or not because if you get into the situation where for example when i got the usb stick um it didn't support uh, native uh transcoding or video for the plex format which meant that my plex server had to do the transcoding itself uh from the tv tuner to you know whatever device i was using to access live tv yeah. um and if you have a so the nvidia shield the it's got a tegra chip inside which yeah, is you know, not it's, super uh, fun for that is it yeah it's it's super fine for that it's totally okay yeah. but if you if you plan on running like uh i don't know on an older mac mini uh that might be a problem especially if you're tuning into hd channels which is why and i'm going to talk about it in a few minutes i highly recommend that you get one of the modern HD home run tuners. Still, 
Cool. Before we get to that, you want to talk about YouTube? Uh, yeah, YouTube is, is certainly... I don't know how you find your time spent when watching video content for Rico, but I certainly see it in my household that YouTube is an increasingly uh, oh, yeah. a primary destination for, for content, both uh, live as well as on demand, you know. Um, and I was watching... I watched increasingly more live stuff on YouTube as well recently. For example, the Google I.O. keynote, we're just recording this the day after, and uh, that was you know streamed live and perfectly on YouTube, and it was really, really good quality as well. So um, YouTube is... It, I think the YouTube app is great on iOS. I really, really like it. You know, you remember what? Do you remember Apple used to make the YouTube app back in the early days? Yeah, that was that was great because there were no Man, ads in it. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was what so, iOS four or five or something. Like that. That's a real yeah. deep reference, right? That is a there. real deep <laughs> reference. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I had the really kind of old uh, tube television uh, icon. I as do. Well. Yeah, oh, man, yeah. that feels like forever ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a different time. You know, that was a time when Apple really tried to establish legitimacy for iOS, and so they they took responsibility. That's how important YouTube has been for so long now that um, Apple decided to make it. Now, I recently discovered that that app no longer works because YouTube has shut down the API that it depends yes. on. Because yeah. um, I recently found my original iPad again. Um, but you know, obviously, the, we've got the modern uh, Google published YouTube app, and it's, it's way more powerful. It can, it can do tons and tons of stuff. Um, but one of the things that in, in some countries, uh, you can actually download YouTube content as well. I don't know if you've ever come across this on your travels, Federico, but um, obviously in the US, YouTube will sell you a YouTube Red subscription, which has got yes. all kinds of great features, which I'm really jealous of, and I would buy that in a heartbeat yep. if I could get it. Um, you get no ads on YouTube, for example, and you also get the right to do things like, I think they support picture-in-picture picture if you've got that, and also background playback and things like that, um, and also downloading as far as I remember. Um, but there are also certain other areas in, in the world where you can download YouTube. Uh, and I discovered this, uh, South Africa is one of the countries and I was recently there and I was using YouTube and, and it offered me this option to download the video and I was like, well, what's that all about? Uh, but basically in certain countries in the world, basically Africa, uh, I know Africa is not a country, but African countries, right? Uh, India, countries in the Middle East, Oceania, but not Australia and New Zealand, Lots of countries in Southeast Asia and the Caribbean, uh, you can actually, if your IP address appears in those countries, uh, you can download YouTube videos to the device and, and, and store them that way. Uh, and that works quite well. And what I discovered, because I, I, I downloaded stuff in South Africa and then watched it on the plane home, um, those things are still available when you get back to another country, but you don't obviously get the option to do to download any further uh, content after that. But uh, it's quite a useful thing to do. And um, YouTube Live is, of course, uh, becoming an increasingly big deal. I'm so jealous of uh, YouTube Red. Every time I go to the yeah. States and I open the YouTube app, and because you're in the US, it sees that you're in America and it offers, uh, do you want to sign up for YouTube Red? And I once yeah. did for a week, <laughs> and then I was sad because I returned to Italy and YouTube Red was disabled. Mm. Um, because it's US only. This is the kind of service that I would pay double, <laughs> even yeah. for for any reason. Even if if Google were to say um, you really want a YouTube Red, fine, we're gonna bring it to Italy, but it's gonna cost you double. And I'm gonna be yes, okay. I'm gonna give you double the money. Just give me YouTube Red. Where um, do I, where do I put the card in? That's the question. Do you, <laughs> you want to yeah. check for the entire <laughs> year? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. This it sounds it sounds amazing. Yeah. It is a uh, pretty pretty sweet if you are heavy YouTube user. Um, it's uh, yeah. you should keep an eye on this. 
the, the killer feature is going to be when they do YouTube Red for schools. Um, that's going to be unbelievable because when you do a lot of YouTube stuff in school, um, and obviously, you know, there's filtering concerns there as well, but also um, the advert content is not necessarily always what you would want to see in a school as well. So um, although it's, it's really particularly bad, it's just, you know, you don't really want adverts, but during your lesson, if you can avoid it. So um, if there was a way to say, you know, anything that comes from this IP address, put it through my YouTube Red account, that would be, uh, that would be phenomenal. So yeah. fingers crossed that that comes one day. Federico, let's take another break and tell you, tell folks about our second sponsor for the show. Uh, okay. This episode is brought to you also by Pingdom, because if your website was down right now and visitors couldn't access your content or couldn't click that all-important buy button, how would you know? You wouldn't know until it was too late, and that's why you need Pingdom to give you the peace of mind you need. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. They're dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable, and if you're a Pingdom user, they will be monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website, and they'll make it a breeze for you. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. Start monitoring your site today. All Pingdom needs is a URL, and they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash relayfm right now, for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code CANVAS at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Really FM. Federico, I'll just tell you, I was using Pingdom recently uh, to diagnose a problem with our device management server at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, uh, it was crashing every so often and I couldn't figure out how often, so I stuck Pingdom on it and it was clear that after, you know, 36 and a half hours or something, it was starting to fall over. So uh, that's a personal thumbs up for me for Pingdom for solving that nice. problem for me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, shall we, can we really have a conversation about watching video content without talking a little bit about VPN? Of course not. We, we, we have to. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, it's, funny, it's funny at school sometimes we talk about VPN and uh, it, it, VPN seemed, used to be a very esoteric uh, networking technology that nobody knew anything about. But I tell you, all the kids know exactly what VPN is, and you don't have to teach them about that anymore. I'm sure you have to teach them what email is, because that's what their parents use. But uh, they are extremely familiar with VPN, shall we say. Um, but for anybody who isn't, for anybody who may be uh, not involved in what the kids are involved in these days, uh, VPN is a networking technology that effectively tunnels your network traffic from one place to another across the internet. Uh, VPN stands for Virtual Private Networking. Uh, virtual because it's not a physical dedicated connection. Private because your traffic is encrypted between those two points. Uh, and then networking, obviously. So one of the reasons that VPN is important, apart from the, the whole question of you know making your IP address appear to be in another place on the internet, another physical place, uh, the other reason for using VPN is, for example, if you're in you know, the aforementioned Starbucks or some other place where there's a Wi-Fi network that doesn't use a password to get onto the network, um, you're, you might be sending information that other people could intercept. So if you establish a VPN connection from that network to somewhere else, um, the people who are on your local network nearby on the Wi-Fi will not be able to see the traffic that you're sending through. So it's a good security measure, a good kind of hygiene measure as well uh, when you're out and about in public Wi-Fi as well as if you're, say, traveling and you need to appear like you're coming home. So one of the reasons why you might want to do that, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about BBC iPlayer, I mentioned that um, it only works if you're in the UK, which is fine until you leave the UK and then you want to, uh, you maybe want to watch something on 
on iPlayer. So using a VPN technology, what you can do is say from, you know, a South Africa or something like that, you can VPN home to where you used to, where you used to live, if you like. And uh, the service that you are connecting to will see you as coming from the place where you have VPN to. So it's kind of like making a tunnel or a sort of wormhole from one place to another on the internet and then appearing to do all your work from there. So it's a way to um, make it look like you're in a different country than you actually are. Uh, and one of the apps, Federico, that I think is really great for this is uh, an app called TunnelBear. And what TunnelBear does is basically provide you a number of different VPN endpoints. You sign up for an account and you can actually tunnel from your location to any one of their points of presence all around the world. And they have um, they have ones in the United States, in the UK, Ireland, France, lots of European countries, but also places like uh, you know South Africa, Taiwan, you can India, different places like that. So depending on where you come from and where you've traveled to, you can probably build yourself a connection with TunnelBear that gets you back to the place you came from so that you can get the services you would normally get at home, uh, which is a really nice option. So are you a regular VPN user, Federico? Um, I am. I use, um, I think it's called encrypt.me now. It used to be called Cloak VPN. Oh, yes, um, okay. I use it for um how should we put this um you know uh to to access certain video sources when uh, when when uh, I am not in the country of those video sources um and uh I like it because it's fast and it allows me to stream said video sources at a decent quality and it, it provides you with multiple options in terms of like what kind of server do you want to connect to. For example, in the United States, you can choose between East, West, Central US, and mm -hmm. of all those regions, you can also choose a specific server or just say, just give me the fastest one, I don't care. Um, and also, there's multiple tiers that you can sign up for. So there's like a week pass or a monthly pass or the annual subscription. And I've tried a bunch of different VPNs over the years. Um, and all of them are kind of, you know, those services that, that you find and you, as soon as you open the web page, it looks kind of looks kind of shady. Like, <laughs> do I really yeah. trust these guys? And, and then you sign up because you just want to try them for free. And suddenly they're going to send you email newsletters forever. Mm. Um, I never got that with cloak and now encrypt.me yeah it looks clean the design is clean um uh, it's easy to use it uses all the native uh, ios vpn uh permission prompts so you know back in the old days and now i'm gonna sound like an old man uh, <laughs> we used to have to configure vpn connections manually in ios settings we used to have to put in the the server and the mm. you know the authentication stuff manually now it's all done natively you open the app you click okay and you're basically done uh yeah yeah, so encrypt on me. It's uh, it's fast, it's clean, and it's not. It doesn't look, doesn't look like it's gonna scam you, um, li yeah. unlike other VPNs that you find on Google. No, the, the, the moral of the story is if you're running a VPN service, really invest in design so that people trust you. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, TunnelBear is, is similar. You know, the setup for these services, it used to be a very daunting and complex thing, but both TunnelBear and Encrypt.me, what they will do is they will be sent, there are actually APIs in iOS that developers can use to set up 
these uh, services basically automatically for you. It will ask for your permission to apply VPN setting, and then it will ask for authentication with Touch ID or Face ID. But then beyond that, you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to go in and set up IP addresses and passwords and stuff like that, which is great. Um, so TunnelBear also has this option, which I think maybe Encrypt.me has as well, where you can tell it which networks you trust and which networks you don't. And what that means is because the, the app can sort of see which network you're on, it's not actually that way. It's more done at the iOS level. iOS knows which which network you're on, but the app can say, okay, trust these networks or only trust trust no networks. Uh, and what that means is that when you ever, ever you go onto an unknown network, TunnelBear or Encrypt.me will automatically bring up the VPN connection so that your content, is, your, your traffic is always secure. Um, which, which is very, very helpful uh, when you're when you're out and about and maybe jumping onto different networks. You don't have to constantly remember to turn on your VPN. Uh, it will just come up for you automatically. But for example, on your home Wi-Fi, you might not want to pay the speed penalty that VPN apps can sometimes bring when you're on a, a network that you you run and that you trust as well. So uh, that's just something to look for as well if you're looking at VPN options too. So before we wrap up the show, I wanted to mention... Um the TV tuner that I have now, which is a HD home run. I don't remember the model name. I think it's Quattro something. Um, and the app called Channels. So Channels, it's uh, it allows you to watch live television um, on your iPhone, on your iPad, on the Apple TV. It's on a bunch of platforms. I think it's also on the Amazon Fire TV, maybe. Um, and it looks super clean. It looks like something that Apple would make, you know, native mm. UI, um, very clean design. And it only works, I think, with the HD Home Run. Uh, the model that I have um, supports, I think it supports native hardware transcoding. And most of all, it's, um, it feels, because the hardware is also very nice, it feels... And it, and it works much, much better than the old USB stick TV tuner that I got. So this is like a little puck that you connect to the antenna, you plug into the wall for power, and then you run an, an Ethernet cable from your router to the to the HD home run. And then when you, you all you need to do literally is you open Safari, you go to my.hdhomerun.com, and the web app scans your local network for the TV tuner, finds the TV tuner, it offers you to upgrade your firmware or to scan for TV channels, and you're done. So you can do all of this in Safari on your iPhone. I just did it on my iPhone today because I wanted to refresh my list of channels. And then you can either download the HD Home Run native app from the App Store where you can select um, favorite channels, where you can do some management, or you can watch live TV from there as well. Or you can use Channels, which has got this superior design. It's got a built-in guide. I love the, the way that you can... Uh, the way that the guide works in in channels, even on the iPhone, which has got you know a smaller screen, but you can open channels and you can go to the guide uh, section, and it's like this horizontally scrollable guide that it's got this sidebar with channels, and on the right you can scroll through and you can see the time of the day at the top, and at the bottom as you scroll you will see which program is on. So it's a great way to see hey, what what's on TV tonight, for example, um, and then you can either watch live TV or or you can uh, DVR. And this requires um, Channels DVR, which is a subscription service um, that I'm also testing. It's not officially live in Italy yet, but the developers have been kind enough to figure out a way for me to test it. Um, 
And it, uh, you know, you can run ch uh, Channels DVR. It's like a little server type component that you can install on a PC, you can install on a Mac, on a on Linux, you can install on your on your NAS, for example. Um, and it manages all the aspects of, uh, you know, creating a video file for you. Um, there's settings to manage local storage. Uh, you can choose the format. You can choose the quality. You can choose where to save stuff. Uh, there's, a, I think, there's a way to program entire series to be automatically recorded. It's really well done, and also, it's tight. It's tightly integrated with the with the main channels app on iOS. So right now, I'm looking at channels, and I can either. Um, tune into live TV and watch live TV or I can go to the DVR tab and I can see all my schedule recordings and and I can see you know how much storage I'm using for example um, it's honestly this is one of the um, it's probably a better way to watch live TV than for example the TV that I have in my living room uh, which is uh, an old Samsung TV that has a terrible guide interface and it's kind of slow to turn on with channels on my iPhone I can open the app in like a second and I can uh, select my favorite channels and I can start watching I think in five seconds I can start watching TV with channels on my iPhone. The app is super fast and the HD Home Run tuner is really, really fast. Um, and my Samsung TV is still doing the boot sequence, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, and also the guide view, the guide UI is really well done. Um, I love how you can set reminders for programs. So then when they when, when something is on, you will get a push notification from the app. So um, I'm, I'm, I just started playing around with channels uh, a couple of weeks ago and then I traveled so I didn't really spend time with it but from what I'm seeing so far uh, I can see why why tons of people praise uh, channels with the with the combo of the you know HD home run plus channels on your on iOS and on the Apple TV sounds very cool so just so I'm clear about what you're saying there you need to have the HD home run device yes and yes. The, the channels app then works with that yeah. Yeah, and the DVR yeah. service is optional. It's an okay. optional subscription. Uh, the main app to watch live TV is a is a. I think it's a traditional paid up paid up front purchase on the App Store. And okay. then if you want to, you can sign up for the DVR service. Great. Okay. Got it. So the, there's plenty of options here. I mean, it, it sort of takes me back. Do you remember the days when there was a you had a TV tuner card in your in your Mac, I don't know if you, yes. that was ever a thing for you, but um, I remember when I was in high school, we had we had one computer that had that, um, and <laughs> it was so weird because what you could do is you could actually, you know, like CFAX, the sort of text-based information service that used to be on analog televisions, um, you used to be able to copy the text out of CFAX, which is, uh, <laughs> I'm really dating myself now to, telling you that story. Um, most people won't know what CFAX is, but it was basically a kind of, on your TV, you could see text pages about like the football scores and news and things like that as well. And I don't know if that was only a British is that thing. Like, we'll, is that like uh, teletext? Yeah, teletext. That was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. CFAX was, I think that was the, the name for the BBC service. Ah, I got sure. it, okay. Um, but yeah, teletext was the other name for it, yeah. Um, we did but, a, <laughs> a couple of years ago, we did an entire episode of Connected about teletext. It sort of <laughs> become a meme of the show because we became obsessed and people started sending us uh, screenshots of teletext that is still around today. Teletext uh, was you, amazing, you, yeah. Yeah, my, my dad still uh, uses teletext instead of going on the internet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's actually been shut down in the UK now, but it, oh, no. it, it's one of these things that lasted for years and years and years. And that used, there used to be like, um, you know, kids 
uh, pages where you could go in and get it to tell you jokes and stuff like that. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, all the, you know, the, uh, you could book a holiday on teletext and things like that as well. It was really weird. Um, but that was like with the internet before we had the internet. So uh, well, I'll put a link in the show notes for you children who don't know what that is. Um, but that's, uh, <laughs> that was the, the TV the show. <laughs> you can find the show notes on the teletext on page, page uh, 600. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, fantastic. Um, okay, so fortunately the world has moved on a little bit since those days uh, and, and hopefully some of the, the things we've talked about in this show will be of interest and of help. You know, the, the HD home run, uh, using VPN to keep get back to where you came from in, in terms of network positioning. Uh, YouTube uh, becoming an increasingly compelling TV destination. Uh, uh, Plex being your home DVR and, and home content server. And then of course your your regional apps of choice, BBC iPlayer, is of course the one that we're very lucky to have in the UK. Uh, and then things like Now TV and Rugby Pass and various other things that you might be interested in uh, from different places around the world. So this has been Canvas episode 60, Watching TV on iOS. You can connect with the show online. The show is underscore Canvas FM on Twitter. Uh, you can get show notes at relay.fm slash canvas slash 60 for this episode. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fraser Spears. Federico is Vitici, and we'll see you next show. <laughs>